What about porn studies? I'm Patrick Catus. Welcome to my web project about this new and vibrant academic field. Find more information on porn-studies.com, video interviews with experts from the field, book recommendations, and a porn guide on history and genre. This is the interview with Fiona Atwood, Middlesex University London and a co-founder of the Porn Studies Journal. She'll talk about which topics can be covered by porn studies and how young researchers well reasonably think twice about choosing the path of studying porn and how it can affect your academic career. What about porn studies? I think we're, I think we're still in the process of deciding what porn studies is because Actually, when we set the Journal of Porn Studies up, Clarissa and I, we, had, we tried to think long and hard about what we would and wouldn't accept. So if somebody wrote about 18th century novels that were sexually explicit, were we counting that as porn or were we not? And if somebody wrote about the way that porn is talked about in politics, were we counting that as porn or not? And actually, we, we haven't ever made a rule. So as long as what we're sent contributes to the debate about understanding porn in whatever way, historically, politically, culturally, for, for me, I think for us, that, that is part of, it's part of porn studies. So it's quite broad. And I think that, you know, there are sort of, there are fuzzy edges where, Somebody, is this porn or is it a cult film or is this a libertine novel or is it porn um, so I don't think we have I, th I think from my point of view we have quite a, an open view of what counts as porn studies Why is it important to study porn? I think, it's, I think it's important in the same way that any other subject is important and interesting to study whether that, that is kind of novels or um, people's leisure practices. But I think particularly at this point in history, it's really important to study because on the one hand, it's a very ordinary part of people, but an important part of lots of people's lives. And it's, it's been neglected. I think it plays an important part in people's fantasy lives, in their relationships, in their sense of who they are. And that's useful to know about. But it's also very important because of the way it's, it's used in political debates, for example, to um, redefine what we mean by being healthy or to argue about what sort of freedoms we should have in relation to the internet. So it has those kind of broader political significances. It's almost used as like a counter in an argument about all sorts of things, whether it's relationships looking after yourself, freedom, democracy, people's responsibilities, ethics. So it has that big political importance and also this very kind of ordinary, everyday importance too. I think those are two very strong reasons for studying it. What about the recognition of the academic field? We're in a funny place, I think, with porn studies. In, the, in, what, in one way, there is a lot of... There is still a lot of stigma attached to studying porn. And because universities are becoming much more interested in the, the status quo and being businesses, I know that people are having pressure put on them to not study porn, for example. So that stigma is there, and in some cases it's, it's increased. 
Um, but at the same time, there are so many more people studying porn openly, writing about it, organising events and conferences, having conversations. That, that, I mean, the field is definitely developing and there's a huge amount of interest, but it's still a, it's still a, it's still a difficult area to work in. And I think institutionally, often institutions are, are not terribly supportive of it. Did you um, experience anything um, the like, or like given that politics was sometimes coming up with um, interesting ideas yeah. about pornography, or was that always separated and you could um, were never really affected in your academic work by how politics used pornography? Yeah, I've I have been affected personally. I think I think it's very. There's a, even even within um, a country like the UK, there's a, a huge difference in how people are experiencing um, being being a porn researcher. I think that my experience has been that when people have not wanted me to study porn or not wanted me to talk about it publicly. It's usually dressed up in some other terms. So it's it's not that we're against the porn, but it's for some other reason that we don't like you to do it. So that that they they can't necessarily be quite open about their distaste for it. But certainly, I've had those kinds of experiences where it's been made clear to me that it would have been better if I was studying something else. For young porn scholars are still having to think very carefully about if I do this, will it damage my career? Will it damage my prospects? Will I be confined to a certain kind of institution? Will I? Will it mean that I can't get funding? Will it mean that I'm always looked down on? I mean, I think those things are still very much there. So even though coming somewhere like this is fantastic because there's, there's such a lot of interest and, the, and it is, you can see in the in the sections that you know this is where people want to be it's where the lively discussions are but maybe that's still quite a heavy price to pay if it means that in your institution or when you go for promotion or other jobs that you have you have difficulties perhaps you charted the different approaches people have to porn what did you find out um well i th i don't know i think i think it there are there are lots and lots of different approaches to porn now whether you're looking at kind of audience studies where people are looking for correlations or effects or they're talking to people or doing ethnographies, but even in, in the field of um, studying texts, you know, for, so for example, there's, there's a, an interesting move towards thinking about texts in terms of affect and movement and um, phatic culture rather than looking for trying to get the meanings out of porn. So I, th I think there's, whether you're looking at text producers, audiences, or something completely different, there is there, there, there are kind of too many approaches to mention, I guess. And what, what's, what's particularly apparent at the moment, I think there's a real resurgence of interest in looking at porn historically. So, you know, this particular year at the conference here, is there's a, there's a lot of people talking about porn in the 70s, porn in the 80s, and tracing those histories. I think that's going to kind of occupy a lot of attention over the next five years. That's the looking back as well as the looking forwards. I, and I, I think 
actually what isn't being studied yet um, and what we need to, to pay a lot more attention to is the immediate future of porn, particularly around things like virtual reality, because those things are... There's a lot of development work going on in those areas and, and, and nobody seems to be studying that as far as I can see. So that's something that we need to, we need to look ahead as well as backwards. There's, there's a number of converging interests in, for example, the future of sex work, which sociologists are looking at how sex workers are using new technologies um, to develop the kinds of labour they perform, particularly in campsites. There's a lot of interest in the development of robots for sexual purposes and, and machines and toys and so on. And then there's this area of, of, you know, the Oculus Rift and VR porn and stuff. I think those three areas could come together in some interesting ways in the next few years to examine not just porn, but how... how how sex and machinery and technology are going to be combined in new ways. Why did you start doing porn studies? I didn't really. I, <laughs> it just kind of happened. <laughs> it was, uh, I, was, I was intrigued because I was very excited to be studying in an area where everyday culture was taken seriously and all sorts of media forms that had been looked down on in the past like soap operas and women's films and so on were taken seriously but porn still wasn't at, at that time when I was a student it was still the thing that wasn't shown in the classroom and was was talk, talked about in kind of moralistic terms rather than aesthetic terms or in terms of how it might matter to people and I think I was just I was just very intrigued about why there was that mystery around it and that's that's why I started, and then I don't suppose I expected to study it for very long, but it, <laughs> it turned out to be more interesting than I thought. <laughs> Is there a porn revolution as uh, feminist porn, queer porn, artistic porn is claiming that there is? I think there, there was a, a period where there, there was a lot of... Um, where people were using porn for those political purposes, for activist purposes. And that was, that was a, an important set of things to do. I think one of the unfortunate effects of that was that it made it seem as though people who were working in porn without those huge aspirations or without putting those labels on it was somehow inferior or you know the, the idea that if you if you are making a living from porn that's not as good as if you are creating porn for free but of course people need to make a living and there isn't i think we have to be very careful of um about inadvertently creating more stigma for people who are working in porn who need to do it to pay the bills rather than can afford to do it to make a political statement so um i think that's a a a, a we're in a new phase now where people are recognising that, that the, the, the business and the labour of porn is something that we have to take seriously and not automatically assume that that's, it, it, um, it means that something isn't important or meaningful or politically interesting or any of those other things. 
we can't just have this pure kind of porn that exists in a bubble somewhere. True. One could also assume that if it's like, for example, a let's say porn collective which is doing like non-commercial things, that they will never seriously challenge the industry and change Yes. Anything. Yeah. Yes. And also, it's part of that general, you know, the, the moves in education where being an artist, being a musician, being a writer, are because of the economic situation we're in, there's a real, there's a real problem if, if those things are only open to people who are privileged enough to be able to do all of those things for free because, because they're financially stable in the first place. I mean, that's creating a, te a terrible bubble that hardly anybody has access to. So I think, I mean, that, that was never the... I don't think feminist and queer and alternative pornography has ever meant that to happen, but it's been a kind of byproduct of of that interest in a way is is kind of maybe not taking more everyday kinds of and more commercial kinds of porns less seriously. Which porn film would you recommend to watch and why? Oh, I don't know if I can even answer that. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Sorry. No, that's quite telling, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast. You'll find more info on porn-studies.com, like the video interviews, book recommendations, and a porn guide. Let's connect on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Let me know what you think about this project and what you would like to hear about next. This was Patrick Catus. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.